Stoveleg Media, igniting conversation. I'm Trisden. And I'm Ray. What we hope to do here is find a little bit of middle ground on some of these extremely polarizing social and political issues. Welcome everybody to Extreme Common Sense. What's up, Ray? How's it going, man? Hello. How are you, Tristan? Very good, man. Always good to see you. Yeah, even if it's not actually in person. You know what? Sometimes it is, sometimes it's not. The audience just never knows, man. That's true. So, And we do have to credit Troy because he, he does a fine job. Yeah, I mean, he turns what would be a dumpster fire into a, a pretty polished, <laughs> produced episode. And, and we really appreciate Troy. So this is pretty nice, Ray. This is a pretty exciting episode today. We've got a fun guest coming up. Mr. Terry Powers is going to chat with us. Now, in my opinion, Terry is the next, I don't know if you want to be called the next anybody, but maybe the next Stephen King, the next Dean Koontz. Like, wow. He's a really talented guy. So if you're checking this out, you should, you should definitely jump on Amazon and buy his book, The Death Waltz. He's going to be working, well, he is working on a couple other books that I look forward to hearing about as well. So, uh, and, and it's this cool period where he's not yet completely known. So we're sort of like insiders into the, the fiction world of Terry Powers. So we're sort of, it's like we're starting yeah. from the, the bottom up. You know, we get, we get to watch the, the rise of Terry. Right, and I'll ask Terry about this, but I think the Death Waltz might be taken from a Springsteen song. I'm just saying. Uh, we, we'll, we can get into oh. that in a minute. Hey, can I visit one thing? Uh, back to last week's show, Tristan, was, was yeah. our movie show, our movies episode. Yeah. So I got this list from our pal Jaeger, who claims he doesn't listen but must have that son of a gun. So he said, crime movies you should see among others. And I think we touched on a few of these. I'll just read down this list and then we can move on. Okay. Scarface, Get Shorty, Goodfellas, The Departed, The Usual Suspects, Miller's Crossing, Road to Perdition, King of New York, Payback, Training Day, Scarface. Did he do Scarface? He did Scarface twice. Donnie Brasco, he must really like it. Bonnie and Clyde, 69 version, Dunaway and Beatty, Reservoir Dogs, The Grifters, White Heat, and The Sting. So that was Matt's list of of uh, crime movies. Nice, thanks, Matt. It's always uh, always nice to chime in, and hopefully soon we'll have you uh, actually come on and do the show. And I will say, I don't I don't know if Ray would want to say this, but Ray a little bit fluish today. So if he doesn't sound as as interrupting and loud, yeah, yeah give Ray a little bit of a pass today. <laughs> <laughs> so ho- hopefully this will be a little. A little nice. bit of medicine for you, Ray, to, to do the show tonight. And I hope you're feeling better, man, real soon. Um, so thank before you. we get started, as always, want to thank our sponsors, Bad Wolf Gaming, uh, 859-646-6061. And they're at 711 Chestnut Street in Berea. Just give them a call and say you heard the podcast. Also, I think we're going to get uh, the queen of Bad Wolf Gaming, Nessa, on the show soon. She wants to come actually I think she yeah, is. So you're going to get with her. We're going to talk some some politics with Nessa. 
Yes. And then, of course, our, our folks at Berea Pond, our good buddy Aaron, who's come on a couple times. And we're already planning a third Aaron appearance, as we may talk some crypto soon. But check out Berea Pond. Like, man, I always hear the term pond, and it, it doesn't do what they do justice. It's not – I mean, it is a pond shop. You can go pond. You can do the normal pond stuff. Man, you go in there and shop. It's like a big shopping center with a lot of cool stuff. Of course, the things that you're used to, the guns and ammo and that type of thing. But furniture, man, bedding – kitchen supplies like tons of cool stuff and you can check out his website at buckshotandlead.com or if you're local you gotta swing into berea 107 clay drive in the old iga building and uh, tell aaron that you, you heard about him here on on uh, on the show so thanks uh, to both our sponsors bad wolf gaming absolutely upon and we'll, and we'll mention yes indeed. we'll mention them again a little bit later as well ray uh also i've i heard our episode a week ago and i wanted to say too we spoke about uh buying rich people meals and i did want to point out that i always buy my aunt uh, a, a meal when we get together so i didn't want you to think on the heels That's of that right. conversation i also yeah you definitely you don't you just want to treat people with money like people without money right we're all just sort of the same and when i get together right. with with terry power soon he's gonna buy me a meal i feel like if i go to new york he's gonna buy me a steak somewhere <laughs> <laughs> so all right well that's cool and then i'd say without further ado yeah ladies and gentlemen mr terry powers how's it going terry hello terry going pretty good how how you fellas doing tonight man pretty good 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 yeah so good. so well thank you for having me on i appreciate well, it Well, thanks for coming on absolutely and so i think ray got into it a little bit now this again is not my forte but uh Pretty big Springsteen fan, right? Uh, definitely an influence on your writing, perhaps. <laughs> I would, I would say I'm a diehard Springsteen fan. I, um, uh, I mean, well, one of the things that that Ray brought up uh, uh, earlier was uh, um, we talked about the, the the name of my book is called The Death Waltz, and um, it absolutely is from a Springsteen song. It's from uh, a song called Jungle Land, and yes, it um, is. <laughs> if, if you're ever uh, if your folks are ever interested in knowing the true meaning of the word love, uh, check out the, the the saxophone solo in Jungle Land, and you will know the true meaning of love. Um, the, uh, the the song holds a special place in my heart, and so there's a line that says, um, "Outside the streets on fire in a real death waltz between what's flesh and what's fantasy," and the poets down here don't write nothing at all; they just stand back and let it all be. And I thought that uh, uh, not only was it music, but it was poetry, and it was deep, felt, honest uh, poetry. And Absolutely. so uh, I knew that with my writing, I wanted to uh, to portray that, you know, that type of feeling. So for me, the Death Waltz was—I mean—that was a title I needed. That's so. a great title, Terry. That really is. That is a fantastic Thank title. And that. and I have to say, I have not read your book. Tristan has, and I know he has it, and I'm looking forward to it. But Tristan, you really you know, enjoyed it, right? It was it, right? really good. And, and I would tell anybody who happens to be listening, if you're a reader, jump on Amazon tonight. Look for Terry Powers' The Death Waltz. You will, If you like Stephen King-type stuff, it's, it's like really, really good. And I think one of the things when I met Terry, I'm always apprehensive to read books of people who aren't famous because the problem is 
99% of these people who write books, I mean, they're just not very great. Like, they're kind of mediocre. I've probably read five or six novels from folks that, oh, I wrote a book, you should check it out. And then it's just like, man, you would rather literally be, you know, in a pot of boiling water. It's just so bad. But <laughs> Terry was the <laughs> exception to that rule. I mean, it, it was like the best horror book that you would ever go to Barnes & Noble and just happen to pick up. You come home, I mean, you're indoctrinated into the book from the first page. Every story was phenomenal. And kind of the cool thing for me was, you know, the fact that Terry is not Stephen King yet. So I so I would text him, hey, Terry, what did you mean by this? Was this a metaphor? And um, I mean, oh, that's it was cool. the most fun I've ever had reading because it was like an interactive experience because, I, you know, he would explain to me his thought process on the character and what, the, you know, just amazing. So I, I recommend anybody listening, yeah. Definitely check out the Death Waltz, right? And I'll get you my copy, or or maybe I'll or Please. I'll I'll buy you one, and uh, I'll have it sent to your house. But you, you should definitely check it out. So Terry, your background? Oh, okay. Um, well, I I grew up in uh, in upstate New York. I grew up in a small town that is uh, it's well, it's kind of funny. It's it's upstate New York. Yet I yet I grew up on the border of Pennsylvania. Um, funny thing about uh, New York is anything that's above New York City is upstate so even though i was on the southern portion of the state right. it was still upstate so uh i grew up in a small town called waverly new york and um the uh uh you know south waverly was pennsylvania so we were right on the border and uh i grew up uh with my grandparents uh whole family mess there but my grandparents very religious very old-fashioned and uh and so i was uh Pretty, pretty much an introvert and spent uh, a lot of time in, uh, you know, the library, hanging out, reading books and just kind of keeping to myself, trying to keep out of trouble, playing baseball. And uh, and so uh, very early age, just read everything, everything that was put in front of me and, uh, you know, read read as much as I could and uh, stayed up as late as I could watching horror movies on WPIX out of New York City, you know, so. Yeah, uh, yeah. That, that was uh, that was pretty much it, you know. Just uh, you know, my life was uh, reading, and then eventually it became writing, and then uh, in baseball. So now, where is where is that's that's is the, Waverly? Is it the so it's it's southern on the Pennsylvania border, but is is it the eastern or western part of New York State? I know New York State pretty well. I grew up in Jersey. It's, it's right in the right in the center. So if you took a, a line, oh, is it from Syracuse okay. and drew drew it uh, straight yeah. down to Pennsylvania? And that's where where we would be in the, in the uh, Finger Lakes region. Yeah, I summer uh, I uh, vacation every summer at Lake George in the eastern part of the state over in the Adirondacks, and it's a uh, you know it's it's beautiful. Yeah, people, yeah, so that would have been a few hours. Yeah, away. a few hours from from you and Waverly, but people here in Kentucky don't realize that there is a New York beyond New York City, <laughs> and it's a beautiful, beautiful state. Yeah, it's it's great. It's a lot of farmland, a lot of farmland. And the town I grew up in was a, it was an old mill town. So, uh, you know, uh, most most everybody that lived there worked someplace else. So it was a really yeah. super small town life that I that I grew up in. And um, and it was OK, you know, growing up with my grandparents and everything was very, very quaint, very quaint, uh, quiet, you know, little little town. Uh Pretty much uh, one of those types of towns where you know every Sunday, everybody went to church, right. and uh, it was it was okay. I mean, I, I didn't mind it at all. I, I hated it then, of course, but now I look back and uh, yeah. you know there's a fondness that, that wasn't always there. So Terry, with the Death Waltz, 
Tell me a little bit about how long it took to write that and sort of as your introductory book, what did, what did writing that mean to you personally? Um, well, it's, it's interesting is that, um, throughout my life, I've been kind of a, kind of a different, different fellow, you know, I mean, I, I wear my heart on my sleeve, uh, pretty much. I've always been, like I said, a little bit introverted, uh, very, uh, shy to an extent, but also, um, uh, very sensitive. And, uh, and, and, and in a lot of ways, I, um, I was different than a lot because I mean, it wasn't, uh, you know, I mean, like I said, I'd much rather sometimes just sit and read a book. And so there was a lot of, um, a lot of like, you see, what does, what makes, you know, Terry tick, you know, kind of a thing with family and friends, you know, because it did, I was kind of a secret a little bit. And, um, and I kind of, I was a sponge, you know, without everybody I ever met, you know, everybody I, uh, ever met, you know, in the service and, you know, growing up and my entire life. And I, I kind of, um, took everything in. And, um, and so I began to, you know, you know, write somewhere along the way. And I had all these stories, you know, all these people, you know, that have affected me in some way in my life. And, um, and I started writing almost like a journal. And so when I, when I wrote, it wasn't for any purpose. The, the, the writing was for me. It was, um, you know, I wanted to put it, put it out there, you know, um, Steinbeck, or I'm not sorry, Stein, uh, Hemingway once, uh, once, uh, wrote that, uh, you know, uh, writing is easy. You know, you just sit no. down on a typewriter and bleed a little, it was something along those lines. And so, um, when I wrote, I wanted to be honest with myself, you know, it wasn't for any purpose. I wasn't, wasn't trying to be Stephen King. I wasn't trying to be, you know, Hemingway. I was just trying to write for me and maybe reach out and, and, tell the secrets, so to speak, you know, to the people that uh, I loved in my life and, uh, and, and tell these stories. So I was able to kind of bleed on the pages and just put it out there. And um, I wrote these stories, um, you know, different tales, different people that I've met. And, uh, and each story is, um, is a person that is dealing with um, their own mortality in some way, with death or, you know, the, 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 the sudden oncoming demise of someone or themselves, you know, their own mortality. And, uh, and I wanted to write about that, you know, from a, from a man's perspective, you know, I mean, cause men don't, you know, usually talk about their feelings and such. And so I wanted to write that and just, just kind of just bleed on the pages a little bit. And, um, you know, I brought, I brought, when I, when I finished it, I brought it to my wife. Um, it just kind of like, well, here you go, honey. You know, sometimes you ask, you know, as wives will do, you know, how do you, you know, what makes you tick? And, um, nice. and I brought it to her and she read it. She, she spent a weekend and she read it and she came to me in tears and, um, she said, you have to do something with this. You know, you, you absolutely have to try to pursue this. And then, and then she asked me something which, uh, you know, um, as, as a wife, as a partner, as a friend would do, um, she knows how personal the book was. She goes, are you ready to, um, to put yourself out there like this. And I thought about all the times that uh, in my life where I've wanted to say something or needed to say something and I haven't. And maybe, you know, in my words somewhere on these pages, maybe I was able to communicate things I never could communicate before. And so I said, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure. And, um, and at that time I was a, a letter carrier, the postal service. And, um, I had this great little route where, um, uh, 
firm middle-class neighborhood, lots of teachers and such and retired teachers and uh, had a gr great relationship with all of them. And, um, and so that we would talk about writing and such. And so uh, they had asked me, you know, can we check out your manuscript? And I said, sure, no problem. So I handed it to them. And um, what I didn't know was that um, they were secretly passing it back and forth amongst themselves. There was uh, there were three or four of them. And um, and they I remember they they actually asked me, do you mind if we if I, you know, can I loan this to Carol? Yeah. And I said, sure, no problem. They're like, oh, good, because she already has it. And um, um, and next thing I know, I'm delivering mail one day and um, this 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 wonderful, wonderful lady comes to the door, you know, one of my customers. And she just I just love her to death. She's amazing. And um, she's got tears in her eyes and she hands me a piece of paper. And and I said, uh, well, what is this? And she goes, well, we've been talking about you behind your back. And um, this here is a friend of ours. And, um, well, she read your book and she wants to publish it for her. She's a publisher. Wow. And so, yeah, so uh, <laughs> I think uh, pretty much, um, you know, for the rest of the, the, the and it was, luckily it was towards the end of my route. I was almost done for the day because um, I don't think that, that <laughs> people would have liked, why, why is our mailman out there crying? Because it was, uh, <laughs> you know, um, it was a, a dream come true. And uh, in a moment, I'll always remember the rest of my life. And next thing I know, it's published. So, Terry, uh, Drizden, uh, Drizden asked Terry, this question. All. You answered, said your, your wife read it in a weekend. But how long did it take you to actually write the Death Waltz? Oh, I, I apologize. Yes. Um, you know something? A lot of the stories are, are years in the making. It was just, you know, polishing them yeah. up. Um you know, so it did take probably, you know, I would say sitting down end to end, maybe a year. But then again, I tend to try to go back and, um, you know, edit as I go along. Edit yourself. You know, yeah. You know, and I, right. I do that. I do that a lot. And um, and maybe it's like, oh, well, maybe I should add this or add this or make it a little bit longer or what have you. And yeah, so probably about a year, about a year. All right, Terry, let me ask you this, too. I, Troy kind of came in. Our producer, Troy, said he was looking to buy your book, and he jumped on Amazon, and it is $65. I thought he was tongue-in-cheek, but I just confirmed. Oh, uh, is there a place that, that he can buy the paperback a little more reasonable uh, well, well, than 65 what, What's bucks? going on is that my publisher, you know, God you know, God bless her. She's, she's, she was amazing. Um, she's retired. And so, um, so they're no longer doing um, uh, fiction. So, so what happened was they're no longer doing the publishing company. So that company is, is doing something different now. So I, so I'm in the midst of finding another publisher. And so I did, I did oh, that wow. actually this week, trying to find another uh, publisher, uh, trying to find something that, uh, that is local if I can and such. I do try to keep lo things local as, as much as I can. Um, and so, so right now it's quote unquote out of print. Uh, and so, uh, I'm looking at getting that back into print. As soon as that happens, it's going to be back, back on sale for much less than that. So, um, I, I think what it is, is, is that's probably a used copy that, that somebody is like, huh, well, you know, maybe Tristan will buy this for $65, you know? Right. Yeah. I wanted to take care of Ray and, uh, and take care of Troy or uh, take care of, uh, yeah, Troy. But uh, yeah, I mean, sixty-five for a paperback—that even that—that's a bit pricey. So yes, if you're listening to this, that's, be patient, and you—you'll—that's not coming from me right. at all. So you'll—you'll you'll get it cheaper. Just just wait just a little bit. So, but yeah, it's definitely worth sixty-five bucks. Well, what I'll do is um, 
Go ahead, Terry. Well, I'll send I'll send a copy. Uh, you know, after after we're done, I'll get uh, Ray and, uh, and and Troy's uh, information. And I'll send them a copy from me. I, I will go ahead and. Yeah, that, hey, that sounds that? fantastic. It would be it would be so, my pleasure. Terry, are you still up in that uh, Waverly area in New York State? Uh, no, I actually um, my uh, my father got stationed up in Maine. Uh, well, up in the border of Maine, Maine, New Hampshire. And so I moved up here many years ago. So now, uh, now I'm up here in Maine, a small town postmaster yeah, right? up here in the boonies. Yeah, New England Maine. is, New England may be my favorite part of the United States. I grew up in Jersey, but I'm very familiar. Uh, I spent a lot of time in Vermont. My wife's brother lived for years, my brother-in-law in New Hampshire. I've got a very good friend in South Portland, Maine. I love it. We we vacationed in New York State, but we're 14 miles from the Vermont border. Um, just love love New England, so I'm jealous. Excellent. Uh, it's 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 great up here. It really is. What's what's funny is um, we uh, I know we touched a little bit upon uh, Stephen King. Um, growing up in upstate New York, I used to read all these Stephen King novels, and uh, one of them is obviously we all know uh, Salem's Lot. Right. And so I and I go back and I reread books and I still quote books, you know, you know, however many years later. And uh, and I remember that when my father got stationed up in Maine, um, we had uh, uh, we were driving up here and we crossed over from uh, from New Hampshire into Maine. And there's a big bridge there and you, you cross over into Kittery, Maine. Um, and I remember I saw that sign. And from the back seat, um, I yell out, oh, my God, Parkins Gillespie lives here. And my my father is like, who the hell is Parkins Gillespie? <laughs> and it suddenly occurred to me. I'm like, all right, I'm this gigantic geek now because um, Parkins Gillespie was the sheriff. I'm sorry, was the was the constable in um, in um, um, Salem's lot who left Salem's lot. So that he could live with his sister in Kittery. That's great. And so I remembered that. And I'm like, I'm like, oh, I'm going to live with where Parkins Gillespie lives. And I'm thinking, all right, I, re I really need to get out more. <laughs> That's great. You know? That's awesome. <laughs> hey, I, I got a little something for you guys here. I know it, you two are probably my closest Bruce Springsteen friends. So what I wanted to do while I've got you both here on the podcast, I'm going to ask three very basic trivia questions about Bruce Springsteen so I can figure out who the biggest Springsteen fan is. So what I'm going to do is, okay. is I'll ask the, I'm going to ask the question as it's coming out, whoever raises their hand first gets first shot and answer. But as soon as your hand comes up, I'm stopping with the question. So I'm not going to finish. So you can't just put your hand up to answer. So again, this is for okay. this. We'll find out who the biggest Bruce Springsteen fan on the podcast is. Terry, can you see yourself so you can get a hand okay. up if, when you're ready? I got, yeah, I got you. Okay. All right. So here, here we go. First question. What is Bruce Springsteen's birthday? I can do that. I did do see I Ray a split second. Yeah. Uh, September, September 23rd. Okay. Uh, as a bonus, you got the year? Uh, 49. Nice. Well, all right. September Did you... 23rd, 19th. He's two at, 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 mine's the 25th, so I always had that little connection as well. Oh, nice. Terry, did you have that also? Uh, yeah, I had that. Uh, does he have the birthplace, however? Ooh, I don't. Freehold. Uh, the, oh. Freehold. 
Well, Tristan, do you have the answer? I don't. I've, I'm sitting oh, here. Was with, he born? Was I'm, he born in a hospital outside of Freehold? I've got Wikipedia I, open. I, I don't know. For, I, was, I, for some reason, I was thinking uh, Holden, Holden, New Jersey. Uh, Holden or Holden? That's, that's positive. Maybe that's Wicked. where the hospital was. But of course, Freehold yeah. was, you know, his hometown. Yeah. Wikipedia yeah. says Long Branch. Long Branch. Okay. Long, yeah. Well, Close. It's to. a part of Holden. No, I'm just kidding. All right. <laughs> yeah. All right, Terry. Be ready with the hand. All be right. ready with the hand raise. So okay. here, here we go. Second okay. question. What is Bruce Springsteen's first album titled? Ray. <laughs> Greetings from Asbury Park. <laughs> that's it. I promise we didn't go over any of these. I did this as we were sitting here. So that's two. So so I've got two additional questions. So if Terry gets them both, you, Wait, you can you, tie. Are you, are you talking about his first album by himself or like with steel mill his well that's or yeah now that's way back the castiles okay all right, all right. Okay. i was going first there album could be an album or two in there yeah, as quoted yes. by okay. wikipedia since i again i'm not yes okay got yeah. all right got you. okay all right <laughs> so bruce, okay third question terry you really need this one bruce has two okay middle names what are those Ooh. two middle names bruce what wow. what springsteen Wow. That's tough. I'm going to take a shot, all right? Okay. I didn't raise my hand. Frederick Joseph or Joseph Frederick, Man, something like that. You nailed it on the first try, Ray. It was Frederick Joseph. And I just remember Man. reading that in a Wikipedia somewhere, but That's I didn't funny. actually know that. That's a tough yeah. one. Um, I, I, I'm good. I was going to say the boss. The boss. Bruce, the we would boss have also Springsteen. accepted the I boss. Like yeah. The boss, yeah. Joseph. yeah. That would have been it. So, All right. so that, yeah, that's, so the that's boss. our first annual yes. Springsteen off on the show. We've never done a Springsteen off before. Are you so. not a fan, Tristan? <laughs> Do you not like the boss? You know what? Man, it just, it just missed me. You know, the, the singles that I've heard, I like well enough, but not enough to go buy his music and not be, I think he's just for God, guys Terry, that are maybe friends with him. 10 years older. I don't know. I all right, so here's what, Tristan. Him. Here's what you need to do. Okay. Okay. All right, Tristan. You need to find the Wild, the Innocent, and the E Street Shuffle, which is quite simply, you know, the best album of all time. Okay. Um, and you need to listen to side two, because um, probably the greatest album side of all time is side two of that album, the Wild, the Innocent, and the E Street Shuffle. Okay. And. Um, I don't know. Ray, what do you think? On that? Oh, that's that's so great, Terry. I, I work with this young fella, uh, Andrew. Actually, I'm actually Andrew's boss, but he's, he's become more like an adopted son. And he just wants to learn music. And I actually suggested Wild, the Innocent, and the East Street Shuffle. And he listens. That's the thing that's cool about this kid. And he came back. He was like, wow, that's just fantastic. I didn't, you know, because they know, they know Born in the USA and they know some of the right. poppy stuff. And he's like, man, right. that band jammed. And I said, yes, they did. Yes. Yep. You know, I will say this. Well, what was, what was interesting oh, about that particular album, Tristan, is it came out in 1973. So in 1973, you got to figure we were still, you know, in Vietnam. There was, uh, there was race riots everywhere. There was, uh, you know, just this this political uh, condemnation uh, about pretty much everything. And what came together was these, uh, I think it's seven, seven members of the band, all from different walks of life, um, you know, different cultures and such coming together 
And it was like uh, it was like something like the like the early Almond Brothers or Santana with the influences that they had. And they came in and with, with David Sanctus. Now, don't get me wrong. I mean, I love Roy Batan, but David Sanctus. Uh, was just just this incredible, incredible piano player. Yes, he was. Um, and uh, you know, he came in, and uh, they they were just it, the the music is amazing. It is such a uh, mixture of of jazz, funk, blues, absolutely. rock, and and hungry, Terry. Nobody had made a dime yet. They were hungry yes. kids playing only for the love of it. You know, desperation exactly. and inspiration and perspiration, as Bruce says. Yep. Oh my God. And it's amazing. I get goosebumps talking about that album because it is, it sounds absolutely nothing like the stuff that you've heard. Trisdale. It really doesn't. Um, it's, it's amazing. And he's, and even before that, um, with his first album, I mean, for his first album, I, I enjoyed, it. I always will. Um, but he, um, it, it was almost, um, it was Dylan-esque. Yes, it was. Okay. It was, absolutely. Like, it was, a, it was it was almost like a Bob Dylan right. album, but he's got the song um, in the middle of that album called Lost in the Flood. Oof. That is, again, I got goosebumps talking about it, um, where he um, he wrote this song from the perspective of a soldier coming back home right. in 1973 and um, coming home from Vietnam and uh, looking at how, you know, his town has changed and it is just absolutely powerful and sad, and the mo- one of the most powerful songwriting that he's ever done. Ray, what do you think about oh, it? Oh, absolutely. I'm, I mean, true poetry, as you said earlier. Bruce is, um, you know, his poetry is is second to none. Terry, I just and, and and he stayed consistent. I mean, The Rising released, you know, twenty thirty years after all that. Um, uh, My City of Ruins is just such an incredible song, which he actually wrote about Asbury Park, but then retrofitted it for September 11th. And it's just such a powerful piece right. of poetry. He's And he's kept himself viable. He really has. I, I, are you familiar at all with Mark yes, Marin, yes. who does, who's, who's a very successful yes. podcaster? Yes. Well, Marin was like Tristan. Marin, yes. I've never been much of a Springsteen guy, yada, yada. But he got this interview, and I would recommend that, too. And he actually went to Bruce's home in Colts Neck and sat with him in his studio. And when it was all over, he was like, Marin was like, man, I don't know. There's just something about that guy. There's like this aura. There's this mystique about him. And mm-hmm. you don't want to overblow it. And, you know, Terry, I, since he is so high on my pantheon of people, I, I would almost be hesitant to meet him because I'd be brokenhearted if it went terribly. I might just leave it where it is. But, you know, you know what I'm saying? I, I might I might not take that opportunity. Yeah. I don't know. I wouldn't want to be crushed. But I think it would be fine, in, honest, in all honesty. Right. I, I think he's kept himself pretty real despite, you know, international yes. stardom. He, he has. I mean, so a lot of the stuff... Um, uh, it's funny is I tend to try to, um, avoid, uh, a lot of the overplayed stuff. I tend to look right. for some of the deeper stuff. So when it, when he came out with his, uh, his, uh, uh, his box set tracks, tracks. I just I ate that up with tracks. all the different tracks. Yeah. With, uh, I mean, there's a song that's on there called the Iceman that it just gives me goosebumps, you know, um, there's just different things that, that, that he, um, uh, uh, that he comes up with. I mean, there's a song on there that is absolutely beautiful. Um, and I know it's been done by other people. Um, Sad Eyes. I know you're oh, familiar gosh, with that song. Yeah. 
Yes. Uh, right. Beautiful song. Beautiful, beautiful song. Yep. Um, but, uh, I mean, just some of the sparse honesty, point blank. I mean, point blank is just Oof. solemn. Point but blank it is, is such solemn. a beautiful song. It absolutely is. Oh, my uh, gosh. Sherry, yeah. I can um, tell you, uh, Tris and I, have you, are you still awake? Have you fallen asleep? Yeah, well, yet? What was that, guys? Are, are we are still? What are we, is the podcast going <laughs> on now? Real quick point. Uh, real quick point blank story, Terry. I was an 18 year old kid, and uh, had just graduated high school, and we had one of those big stereos in our living room that was, you know, the focal point of of the furniture. And Springsteen, the E Street Band, was playing in at the Capitol Theater in Passaic, New Jersey, and I didn't get the which was ten miles from where I was sitting in my living room, and I didn't get the opportunity to go to the show. Oh, wow. But WNEW FM broadcast the entire show live in its entirety, and Point Blank oh, wow. was playing. And my mother walked into the living room, and unfortunately, Mom would only live another year. She got colon cancer and died far too young, but she wasn't sick yet. Oh, I'm sorry. And she walked into the living room and she said, Buzzy, Buzzy was my nickname. What is this? And I said, it's that Bruce Springsteen. And she listened for a minute. She said, that's really nice. And that was point blank. And I was like, cool. All right. Mom likes it. It wasn't like turn that nonsense off and get out of the living room. (laughs) That's awesome. That's actually, I mean, what what a great connection that you would have with your mom with that song now, too. Yeah. You know, that's, that's, that's fantastic. You know, it's, it's funny. I had, um, Many years ago, so back in '99, uh, I was um, I, w- I, w- I was trying to get um, tickets. Uh, he he came up to, to uh, and had a concert at the Fleet Center in Boston, and so uh, I uh, I was single at the time, and so there was this pretty nurse that I knew, and so uh, I uh, I tempted her to, to go out with me, and we're going to go see Springsteen. So we got a couple <laughs> of tickets, and um, and she was a nurse, and unfortunately. Uh, the night before she got, she got called in. Ah. So I'm like, Oh no. So uh, I called everybody I could, everybody was busy. So I had these two tickets. I'm like, all right. Um, all right. I'll just go down. Cause I'm not, you know, I- I'm definitely going to go. Um, so I, I went down there and I'm like, okay, well, you know, sometimes I'll just sell it to somebody, the other ticket. It's, it's the seat right next to me. So I'm going to sell a ticket to, you know, whoever's out front looking for tickets. So I sold the ticket to this, to this guy and I go in, and um, and I, I hadn't uh, looked at the, where the seats were, and I didn't have great seats. I mean, these were up, you know, on the, the side of the stage, way up top, way up high, and uh, and kind of a, a semi-obstructed view. It wasn't so great. And um, so I'm sitting, I'm like, all right, but at least it's Springsteen. I'm going to be able to see him. I'm going to be able to hear him. At least I have that. And this woman comes in, and she sits down next to me in the seat where, you know, my date should have been. And I'm thinking, well, that's not the guy that I sold the ticket to. So um, I, I said, all right, so excuse me, ma'am. Um, I'm just wondering, did you buy your ticket from somebody out front? She goes, yes, my husband and I bought tickets from this guy. Unfortunately, we can't sit together. And I thought to myself, huh. I'm like, well, I'll tell you what. Why don't you go find your husband, bring him back here, and I'll trade tickets with them so you guys can sit together. Nice. I'm thinking, all right, you're there. You're it's their first show too, and so I'm thinking, all right, I, I got to do this, okay? So she went and got the uh, the husband and brought him. I mean, they both were hugging me. People around me were like, oh my god, that's so sweet and everything. And I'm like, all right, let me go find my seat. Hopefully, it's not too bad. And I go down, and it's a seat that is completely unobstructed view. We're talking, you know, rows and rows and rows closer. That's wider seats, completely unobstructed view. And I'm thinking to myself, 
wow, good things do happen. That's great. And about the time I'm about that time that I'm thinking this is really cool, the lights go out and suddenly there's a spotlight on the stage where Springsteen is standing and I got goosebumps. Uh, I can't even explain. And he and he started up uh, the uh, uh, he started off the the show with uh, Candy's Room. So I know Tristan, you don't know that song, but Ray, I know you know yeah, it. I do. And it was absolutely incredible. That's fantastic. That's a great story. That's a great story. I, yeah, and that ticket's hanging up on the wall over here somewhere. Nice. Oh, cool. Is, Very cool. Yeah. So Terry, we talked a little bit about the Death Waltz, and again, there's nothing I hate more than to segue away from Bruce Springsteen, but. Uh, yeah. Uh, our, our audience <laughs> hopefully we've got a lot of springsteen fans in germany where most of our fans are but uh so i've been waiting very patiently for your next two books for like a few years man is there a good update on when those might be out well uh, you know it's, it's, it's funny is i like to put um some different tidbits of stuff out on facebook and so i get people people are a little upset with me for teasing them um you know i i I've been quite busy with work and such, and unfortunately, it's um, you know it's taken a little while, and I apologize for that. Um, but um, the the things that I'm working on right now, um, well, number one um, is a book that is um, it's a it's a full length novel, and and it's called The Nothing Man. And again, Ray it sounds like yes. a Springsteen song, doesn't it? Yeah. Yes. Um, the Nothing Man, and um, it's uh, it's kind of semi autobiographical. And it, what it is, I, I, I kind of, as I've gotten older, I've kind of um, thought about hubris, you know, as, as, as men, you know, we, that's, you know, something that we deal with all the time, our own hubris. And, um, and so got to thinking about all the, all the things that, you know, accompany a man as they get, as they get older and kind of, you know, what we surround ourselves in, um, the things that we have with us, the, with our walks every day, um, is it real? I mean, the, the life that we live, is it steeped in reality? Have we built up these, these, these monstrosities, these homes, these cars, everything? Do they actually mean something? What is it that is that, what is it to your core that makes you who you are? And I got to thinking about sometimes the, the, the fact is, is that when it comes down to it, down to, to the bone, sometimes it's nothing. And I wanted to write about that. I wanted to write about the things that, um, that we do to build ourselves up. And are they real or aren't they real? So that's the... The, the gist of the story is, is a man who finds out, and he's got everything. He's got everything, you know, he could ever ask for. He's got a great job. He's got money. He's got cars. He's got women. Anything that, that anybody could ever ask for. Um, but he finds out that he's dying. And, and he looks at himself, and he realizes he has no legacy. Because his entire life is this monument to nothing. And... He's looking back and he's realizing, you know, I wasn't always this way. And somewhere along the line between where he is now and his ultimate demise, he's going to try to find what it was, what it is that he was and peel away those layers and get to it, you know, sometime before he dies. 
And so it's the nothing man. So I wanted to kind of um, write something, uh, just get as deep as I could, you know, just 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 get down in there and just be gritty and dirty and deep and just talk about those things that, you know, sometimes are, are really hard to talk about. So that's that's the nothing man. And then uh, and that's been that's been very personal. That's been a very personal journey with that one. And um, the other one I just wanted to have fun with, honestly, um, the uh, I wanted to uh, the other one is called uh, Come the Darkness, Come the Dawn. And um, it's a it's a, uh, a book with, uh, of short stories. And every story is uh, based on fear. And uh, I wanted to make them suspense stories. You know, a lot of them, you know, kind of along the lines of, you know, Dean Koontz or Stephen King and such. And a lot of them are, are homage to them. And uh, I wanted to write about just fun stuff. I mean, you know, um, things that uh, go bump in the night and how we react to them. And, uh, and I, I love the fact that, uh, that we live our lives surrounded by fear. You know, oh, yeah. and uh, and sometimes it's it's um, sometimes it's, it's tangible. Sometimes it's not so much. And sometimes it's ridiculous. I mean, fear, honestly, the fear is the uh, uh, the, the the plaid bell bottom pants <laughs> that we uh, that we wear sometimes. And we uh, uh, we try to hide them away in the closet, but they fit so well, you know, and we, we you know, we put them on. They're just so comfortable. And, and sometimes, you know, they're embarrassing, but. But damn it, they feel so good. So I wanted to write something and just have some fun with it, with a, uh, with that. Uh, so I've been having – that one's been particular joy for me. Well, I definitely can't wait. I know it's been uh, probably as fun as you have uh, been having writing these two books has built my anticipation over the past few years because also you, you put some really good teasers online. I don't know if there's a, like a public forum for folks to go to. I know I've sort of caught a lot of those on your personal social media but man, I mean, every time I see Terry with a post that the bottom says "read more," I expect chill bumps because almost every time, like it's oh, just, oh man, you. this is gonna be good. So I look forward to them. And then sometimes, like if I'm at work and I see it, then I'm like trying to wait till the afternoon until I get off work and I can and can read the post. But people will will love your writing. I wish it, you know again for the folks listening, there was an easy place for them today to just go buy your book. But uh, but stay tuned. It definitely very soon. Very soon, I'm working on that. And in both these other books, they're they're close. I just um, I, I'm I've got a publisher that I'm talking to right now, and so we're gonna get we're gonna get everything going here very very soon. Um, I did have something talking about the the teasers and such. Um, I did have something that was published. Um, now now Tristan, you and I know about the uh, you know you, one of the common things that that you and I have is uh, Stephen King and our love of like horror books and such. Um, I'm a member of a, um, a group of writers in Maine, uh, the hor- well, <laughs> the horror writers of Maine is the name of the group. <laughs> and so they have a, um, they have a, a, a um, compilation that they put out. Um, uh, I believe it's once a year. Sometimes I believe that they have enough stories. It's, it's a couple times a year and it's, um, uh, different short stories, horror stories, obviously. And, um, I they I have a story in, that was published in um, the last one they had. Uh, North, it's the, the book's called Northern Frights, and um, nice. what's inter- what's interesting is that well the book the my story is called The Dawn Patrol, and um, 
And it's interesting because I had a dream. You guys ever have like a dream that is extremely vivid? Sure. And you wake up and you're like, you swear to God that something ha- that this actually happened in your right. dream. Yeah. Um, I, I, I had this dream and, um, and in the dream, I was a, uh, a, a sheriff's deputy out in Maine, uh, on the, the back country road up in the woods and everything. Nobody, one of the, the types of, of, uh, roads where there's, there's nobody, there's no other cars. You're the only car on the road. And, um, so I'm a sheriff's deputy. I'm way out in the boonies and, um, and it's foggy. It's a foggy night. And as I'm driving in, in this dream, I'm just driving, just relaxing. Uh, a moose suddenly appears in front of me mm-hmm. and I, I uh, almost hit the moose. I go off the road and down in the woods. And we're talking deep, deep woods, miles and miles and miles of nothingness. Down in the woods, I see lights. And out of the blue, there's a road that was never there before. And down that road is a town that never existed before. And I don't want to give away any more. That's cool. But I woke up in the morning and I I wrote the story. That's wild. I wrote the story and I put a little a little dabble of it on Facebook. And um, it just so happens I'm I'm friends with uh, one of the the publishers that does the the horror writers of Bane. And he contacted me right away, and he goes, um, "I want to publish this. You need to get this story to me." So it's it's in the uh, the Northern Frights compilation from this past it, year. Let me ask you: so That's that would have cool. been because there's a there's a ton of those online. So I guess a, a few different, like you said, they post them year or they sell those yearly. Yeah. So do you, it was so it would have been 2021, the Northern Frights 2021. Uh, yes. Um, so when I believe it came out in February, 2021. Okay. So yeah. So, if, so it's got a picture, picture of a, uh, I think it's two skeletons on the front. Okay. So yeah. So if folks are listening two skeletons, Northern frights, this is the one that re- was released in early 2021. And I Troy, think, I think the byline was love and love and death or something like that, but it was, that was a lot of fun. Yeah. And nice. so Troy, if you're listening, you can pick this one up on Amazon for only, uh, seven bucks so this is a, a bit more reason but get a taste of what terry's doing and and that actual that whole book of sto- short stories also is pretty good so yeah you 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 uh yeah. you will definitely enjoy the northern frights as well if you pick that up so and it's a good introduction into to what terry's doing you're really going to get a kick out of them i'm telling you if you read for fun you'll love it and terry i, I wanted to hear i've heard it before uh but i wanted you to tell if you would your dan brown story <laughs> oh, Dan, the Dan Brown story. Okay, so um, this is funny. I'd forgotten about this. So um, I was, uh, for a short while, I was a postmaster in Rye Beach, New Hampshire. Um, and uh, it was it was interesting because um, I, had, I had hurt my knee and I needed a knee replacement. Uh, so I was no longer going to be carrying mail. And uh, my postmaster was, uh, I thought he was joking with me. He said, hey, um, you want to be a postmaster? And of course, you know, as as anyone does, you know, it's like, sure, I could do my boss's job. Why not? You know? And I thought he was kidding with me. Next thing you know, I'm in Rye Beach, New Hampshire at this little post office that is incredible. I mean, absolutely incredible. This, this little uh, historical building in the midst of mansions. We're talking, it's, it's uh, less than a mile from the ocean, surrounded by mansions. And um, I meet, did you guys lose me or can nope. you hear me? We're good. Gotcha. You can hear me? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So um, 
so uh, so one of one of my customers is Dan Brown. And so uh, <laughs> it was kind of funny is just in the midst of Gavin, you know, selling stamps and talking about, you know, you know, people that come in because there's a golf course right there. How bad, the, you know, the golfers dress. Uh, we started talking <laughs> about uh, books and we exchange we exchange books. So. Uh, so, huh. yeah. So I have an autographed copy of uh, of um, da, Vinci? da Vinci Code. Oh, uh, um, um, da Vinci Code. Da Vinci and Code. he has an autographed copy of the Death Wall. Ah, so, ah, that uh, is that's great. Awesome. I thought that was kind of fun. That is great. Yeah. He wrote me wrote me a little note that my of course my wife framed and everything. So Absolutely. a little note thanking, you know, thanking me and such. And uh, and I I I keep checking my phone to see if Tom Hanks is going to call me about the movie <laughs> version. I've got nothing yet. So you've got nothing yet. You know so, what? Terry, what? It won't uh, be long. No. What uh, if you don't mind? You know your process of writing. Do you write every day? Do you write ideas, scratch them off, go back? Do you? Uh, I heard John Irving say one time he always wrote the end of his book first and worked backwards. What, what's your process? Um, well, it's it's interesting. Is like I will play out scenes. Like when I was when I was uh, carrying mail, I was out there and I was writing the book in my head every single day, writing and rewriting and such. And then I'd get you know I'd get back to my truck. And I'd write it out on my phone, just write little notes. So a lot of the stories start off as little as scenes that I need to kind of connect. Um, and then some of them, I know the beginning and I know how I want it to end. And then the middle just happens. Nice. Um, it's it's kind of funny is uh, and, and please don't get me wrong. I would never. I would never um, compare myself to a to a genius, you know. Um, Michelangelo once said, um, you know, when asked about his creations, um, he said, "Well, I'm just, you know, a conduit. You know, um, the the statues have always been there. It was just my job to release them from, you know, the uh, um, the the well, what was it? The, the stone that he the used, um, the stone." Yeah. Um, the marble, the marble, the marble. Yeah. So he was, it was his job to release that. So a lot of times I just sit there and the story goes wherever it wants to go. Um, I, uh, one of the small towns that's near here is, uh, Milton Mills, New Hampshire. And I remember driving with my wife one day, just a, just a Sunday drive playing some Steely Dan. And I drove through the town and, um, and I was thinking, wow, this is a good place for, you know, a haunted, a haunted house. Hmm. A haunted house story. So, uh, so I got home and I just, just started writing, um, you know, one of the stories that's in, um, come the darkness, come the dawn is a story about, um, a man who, uh, it's 1974. He's come, come home from Vietnam, um, to take care of his father who has taken a fall. And so, um, he's come back to the, the home that he grew up in old farmhouse, that he's had not so great memories in. And he's been told by his sister that his dad has started to see things. And so he's, he's scared for his father. But he gets home and he realizes that maybe maybe his dad really is seeing something. And so, that I mean, that story just happened. Um, it could be at any time at all. You know, I'm at work, you know, and a customer mentions something. I go in and suddenly I take a little note on my phone. So it could be literally anything that I'll sit down and I'll write. Very um, cool. I've had times I wake up at four o'clock in the morning, can't get back to sleep, and I just write. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm 
I guess I'm just a conduit. Whatever yeah, story needs to be cool. told, there I am. Right. Yeah. So, Terry, do you have a favorite uh, favorite book uh, of your own, like something that you go back to as a as an all time read for you? I'm sure you have several, but is there one that stands out? Um, well, it's 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 funny is that um, when I when I look at myself, you know, I I've had a few the the stand by Stephen King, um, and that's a that's a lot of people's favorites. That was that was always great. Um, I think that that you know Carrie was another one that uh, you know I read um, when I was very young. I was probably too young to read Carrie. Um, right. The uh, um, uh, uh, Watchers by Dean Koontz is another good one. Um, but lately I think that, uh, you know, the stuff that I've read as, uh, as an adult and I've reread a lot of books, you know, that I read as, as a kid, I've reread them now. Uh, I'm really very much into Dennis Lehane. And, um, I don't know if you guys have heard Dennis Lehane. He did, uh, mystic, he did, uh, mystic river, um, oh, given okay. day, yeah. uh, uh, yeah. Shutter Island and such. Nice. And, yes. uh, mystic river was just amazing. This was before the, the, uh, um, the movie came out, which just yeah. blew me away. So I have, I have everything that, um, that he's ever written. And so, uh, he has this book called the given day, um, that is a, uh, a, a time period book from uh, 1918, 1919. And it's, um, it's told from the perspective of a, the Sullivan family, who's a, a, a family of cops in Boston. And so they are there during the, uh, the great flu pandemic. Right. And then also, um, you know, the, uh, the Boston police strike and such, you know, there's a lot of stuff happening in that era. And uh, it was just an amazing book to me. It just blew me away. So I would say that's probably my my favorite these days. That's awesome. You know, I somehow uh, ignorantly didn't realize that those movies started out as books, but as good a movies as those are, I bet the books are just phenomenal. Yeah. I've seen Mystic River, the movie. I've not read the book. I'd love to. Yeah. Because yeah, it me. is a great movie. Which, which, What's really great about Dennis Lehane's writing is it's very gritty. Um, there's a there's a very realistic portrayal of of uh, of street life in there, and um, and honestly, I mean, it actually reminds me a lot about you know Springsteen writes about this you know life in the streets and such, and um, it, it's all it's kind of reminiscent of that you know in, right. in a way. So I, maybe that's why I like it so much. Very cool. That's fascinating, Ray. As we talked, is there one that comes to mind for you? Uh, favorite. I love John Irving. I, I don't know, Terry, if you do. He's a fellow New Englander. I think he's written some just amazing yeah. books. Prayer, Prayer for Owen Meany is, was kind of life-changing for me. It was just a tremendous book. Both my kids have read it. Um, and I'm also a classic fan, like Steinbeck, I think, is maybe the you know, Grapes of Wrath might be the, the quintessential American you know, fictional drama. Um, and, and to your point, Terry, I'll every third or fourth year, I'll reread, you know, reread it. And, and you reach that point where you can kind of read it pretty quickly because you're not as engrossed in the details because you know the story so well. But, um, yeah, I, I mean, I, yeah, I definitely have my favorite authors. I'm adding Terry Powers to that list. Now, Terry, I will say this. I'm not a huge Facebooker, but I had occasion to see some of your posts and there was one that was pretty deep and to and, and to Trisden's point I thought just 
obviously well-written, where you were sort of talking about the age of the cell phone and and some of that loss of contact is, is, is what I was drawn from it, that, that kids today maybe don't really have those interpersonal skills, and that's pretty unfortunate. Uh, you know, it's it's interesting in that, um, for me, in that um, I, I grew up, you know, obviously before, you know, the whole cell phone era. And, and I know that, uh, Ray, you did as well. Tristan, I'm, I don't remember how old you are. So 41. Yeah, um, it, it hit right as I was in college. 40, so I missed it. My childhood missed it completely. Got, one, one of the things that was um, for a child growing up in an era where um, it was absolutely necessary to get out there and have the the chance to to not only succeed but also to fail um a lot of that is lost these days in going out and maintaining well well first of all you know um building it up uh, social skills um and maintaining those and uh, being able to um not only win and lose, but also get something from that, you know, yep. from the winning and losing of, of friends, of, of the, the, the interactions with people, um, the, the human interactions and whether that's good or bad to be able to, um, to, to get out there and, and look someone in the face and, and read those emotions and feel those, that the feeling in the room and, uh, a lot of that is lost. Um, you know, I see kids these days and they got the headphones in and they're walking with their heads down and they're walking along. And, you know, and I get that. I get that about wanting to be alone, being in your own little world. And I can't imagine where my life would have been if I hadn't gone out there and forced myself. Because, I mean, we didn't have that. We didn't have the Internet. We had phones with cords and such. So, so we didn't have that escape, you know, we were forced to go out and do that interaction. And I, I can't imagine where my life would be if I didn't have the ability to get out there to be successful with my failures. Yeah. So um, have you thought, Terry, at all about the manifestations of that and, and what the next 20 or 30 years looks like? Because that, that is a real thing. And I know, and I'm much older than you, I'm, I'm soon to be 62. So you don't want to, oh, hey, boomer, and sound like the old guy. And, and, and I manage, you know, 15 millennials and they're great kids. I'm father of two. But you try to have those conversations and they roll their eyes or they tell you you don't understand. But there is something real going on. I think that um, one of the things that I'm very grateful for is over the last couple of years, um, with all the crazy political stuff that's that's been happening, we hadn't noticed something. <laughs> something has changed. You know, I, I used to, um, and it's funny because I, I I laugh, I laugh with my wife about becoming a grumpy old man, <laughs> and uh, I, I've actually enjoyed becoming a curmudgeon. Which, which is funny, right. Um, right. but I, I have seen something happen, and there's suddenly the young folk that, uh, you know, a few years ago, I, honestly, I didn't know how much faith I had, you know, in them because it was a, a culture of cell phones and video games and, and 
not the, the, the lack of social interaction, um, suddenly here they are, they're stepping up these last couple of years and cool. they're talking about things that are wrong in this world and they're trying to make a difference. And it has absolutely restored my faith in humanity because I was so, I'm like, okay, fine. Put me in a home someplace. I'm ready. I'm ready to meet my maker because I, I've lost faith in this world. But, you know. That's I, funny, Terry. My, uh, my, brother is a, uh, my brother has taught high school English for 34 years, I guess now. He's close to the end of his career. And he's, he's had the good fortune of teaching uh, many AP kids. But he has said that for years, that, you know what? I'll take you into my classroom, and these are pretty good kids, and and they make points that, um, you know, that probably old timers like us need to hear occasionally. Um, so yeah, so so that's a good thing, you, you know, because because there are there are some very good and astute young folks out there, and the future is theirs. So we gotta we have to put our faith in them, right? Right. That is right. I'm I'm pleasantly surprised. I'm pleasantly surprised, and I'm I'm. I'm grateful for um, the fact that they are showing interest because, you know, sometimes that's the toughest thing is getting them motivated to, to have that interest in, in going out and in changing the world, you sure. know, and I'm very surprised. I'm very I'm very grateful for that. Pleasantly surprised. Hey, I, I know we're getting close on time. I can, I, I say, leave you. We'll, we'll probably be wrapping up soon. But you were talking before about, um, I think what you were alluding to was was learning from your wins and your losses. And I'll never forget a quote I heard from the author, fellow author, Pat Conroy, who said, losers write the best stories. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. We learn so much more from our losses than we do our wins. Right. You know, and um, I, I'll tell you, I um, I have I have lost a whole lot more in my life than I've won. And um, and I love the fact that um, that it's made me into uh, a more humble person. Um, right. It's made me grateful. It's, it's absolutely made me grateful. I I couldn't. I honestly couldn't ask for a better life. You know, I mean, I've got incredible, um, incredible people that I, that I surround myself with. And, um, you know, I, I, I think that had I, had I had a different life, I, I wouldn't have these things. I mean, I'm incredibly grateful of everything. Well, Terry, we're, we're sorry you had to spend this hour with us two knuckleheads. I mean, you know, there is that. <laughs> well, no, I just, you know, in, in, in looking and seeing you guys, the, the, the pictures and such, I'm grateful for my 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 hair, you know, and uh, you know I do have the best. Oh, wow. I do have the best hair on this panel, which is nice, uh, which is That's good. That's not so, a huge I'm old. I don't know if I'd but say I, the best know, hair. Yeah. My fro's looking pretty good right now. What? It's... Look at this. Yeah, I've got the got perfect fro right now. Guy. Look at that. That that is too. Yeah, it's good yeah, hair. I'll, I'll, I'll give you that too. You get. Keep brushing it down because there's a lot of forehead right there. <laughs> what are you talking that's about? Right. There you go. There you go. There you oh, go. There you go. Terry, man, it was it was a pleasure. <laughs> the hour the hour flew by. I, I think I feel like we just scratched the surface, don't you, Tristan? 
Yeah, as we always do. It seems like you know we could just go all day, but yeah, it's 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 nice to always. We didn't even talk. We didn't even talk any. We didn't even talk any fantasy baseball, rotisserie baseball, or anything. I I I got (laughs) strong armed. uh, I got strong armed into doing it for my first year, and I'm looking forward to it. I've played fantasy football for years. I always thought baseball was too much work because it's every day, but um, I'm looking forward to it. I have a lot of fun with it. I really do. And Terry, the best part is when I was a nine or ten year old kid, I could probably name almost every major league ball player, and 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 it's my fault, not theirs, because there's other things come along. I don't know that I could name twenty anymore. So I think that by playing fantasy baseball, my interest will be peaked again, and I'll start to start to uh, you know get that catalog of names back <laughs> back in my head. You know, it's funny is fantasy baseball and fantasy football has made me more of a fan of both sports because right. I'm more well-rounded. I, I don't know just my team. Exactly. I know all the teams. Right. And, you know, and I know how weak both of your teams are. <laughs> wow. You know, this year. So I be. have more confidence. Don't you guys um, share a team? <laughs> Didn't you just hurt your own team, Terry? I think Ray is also a Yankee fan. Uh, well, all right. I was waiting for Ray to, to, to step in there talk about the Yankees. Yeah, no, no. I, yeah, I, it's. I mean, I grew up in New York, so I mean, I actually grew up a yep. Met fan. But then living in Kentucky, uh, it was harder to follow him. And my my youngest, my son, is is a big Yankee fan. So I've sort of started rooting for the Bronx Bombers uh, and the Reds. Well, I, I tell you, real real quick, real real quick story. Um, uh, I I came up to New England when I was a teenager, and and obviously I came from New York, so I was I was a Yankees fan. And it was, you know, it was the culture I grew up in. Everybody was Yankees fan. Uh, so I, I came up here, and of course, my quote unquote friends were like, "You're a Yankees fan? Oh, come on!" You yeah. know. And so they tried to get me into being a Red Sox fan. Sox. And I tried to explain to them, "I'm like, you know, look, I'm from there." They're like, "Doesn't matter, doesn't matter." And so, uh, and I tried to use logic, you know. And so <laughs> these were my, again, my quote unquote friends that I still have to this day. Um, and I explained to them, "Okay, so I'm from New York." That's, you know, that that was a team I grew up with. So let's sure. say you you moved from Maine in New England and you went to New York. OK, so would you automatically be expected to be a Yankees fan because you live no. there? No. And uh, and they're like, well, no. And I said, well, why not? And they're like, well, that's because they suck. <laughs> that's it. So no, no matter what, no matter what, to these days, all these people I love that I would, I would lay down my life for, you know, uh, I, I, I count them as as family, not just friends. To this day, they bust my balls about the Yankees. Oh yeah, man, it's got to be tough being a Yankee fan in New England. Holy cow! I mean, that's you know, that's anathema. You don't want that. Yeah, it's uh, that would my, be a story, my, Jerry, a Yankee fan in New England. There's a title for you. <laughs> well, it, it it probably wouldn't. It probably the book probably wouldn't sell in New England. Probably, it definitely wouldn't. And it oh. could probably be listed under horror. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, yes, so, it uh, would be listed under horror. That's funny. <laughs> Oh, man. Well, like we say to all of our guests, Terry, we'd love to do this again sometime. It was a pleasure. Absolutely. It's been a ball, guys. I appreciate yeah. it. Yeah. So, Thank you. So, Terry, if you would um, stay put, we do a little uh, feature here for our sponsors, probably take about two minutes and wrap up. And, uh, if, Terry, do you have a, a really good joke you want to tell? We This is sort of the comedy time of the show. 
You got, you got it. Oh, the comedy time. Yeah, you got, you got some. This is the funny part. You put, you put me on a, put me on the well, spot. Well, I tell you here, what, right? Terry, think, so, Terry, uh, think right, about right. it. We'll do ours, and then you can do yours after. How about that? Okay, that'll work. All right. So, uh, so, so, Ray, well, this is the time. You know what? I like to think that the the sponsors really get their money's worth right now when when we do our little comedy bits because, you know, if people weren't <laughs> rushing to Bad Wolf Gaming and Berea Pond. They're going to hear some original comedy from Trisden Reynolds and Ray White, and I think that's going to put them over the edge. So uh, would you like to mention your friends at Bad Wolf? And I'll, I'll mention Aaron at Berea Pond here before we do the, the list and your joke. Yeah, Dan and Nasa um, just killing it on Chestnut Street in Berea with Bad Wolf Gaming and, you know, all kinds of gaming. Whatever you want, stop in and they'll take care of you. As we say all the time, it is truly a, a labor of love. Dan started that at age 42 and... Uh, all, all kudos to him because he loves it and it seems to be going great. <laughs> so that's 7-Eleven Ch Chestnut Street in Berea. And then my man Aaron at Berea Pond. You can check him out. Uh, you can actually check him out, Terry, at buckshotandled.com, which is what you should do immediately as we, as we wrap up the podcast here today. And for those folks that are local, 107 Clay Drive, way more than a normal pawn shop. Get in there and buy a lot of cool stuff. Check out our friends at Berea Pond. Uh, and what I like to do for Bad Wolf Gaming is a top ten list. I don't, I don't know. Maybe more of a punishment for Bad Wolf Gaming, but it uh, it amuses me to put these together since I'm a David Letterman fan <laughs> and uh, do a Bad Wolf Gaming top ten list. So this is sort of Ray. If you'll notice, the um, Real Time does a bit sort of like this when he's about to go away. So I'm kind of combining Real Time's bit, which is future news, with the top ten list. Because uh, we were just informed we're going to be limited on our podcasts next month. So what we're going to do is build up a whole bunch of podcasts over the next few weeks. So in the meantime, uh, what we're doing here between recording the podcast and when they drop, and we can't really talk current events because our, the, the gap in between the news and when these episodes drop. Uh, so I invested in a time machine so I can give you a little look into uh, nice. current news. With top 10 news headlines between now and when we record the next episode. So these are all headlines okay. that you will have already seen before we record the next episode. Number 10, Vladimir Putin bombs all animal shelters in Kiev. Mm. Number 9, Kanye West admits he is actually jealous of Kim for dating Pete Davidson, not so much the other way around. Uh, huh. number, number 8, gas prices drop. Republicans credit Trump policy from three years ago. <laughs> Number seven, Joe Biden announces a no-fry zone because they go straight to his <laughs> hips. Number six, Channing Tatum's movie Dog fails at the box office. That's a, that's a little inside joke for those who listened to last, uh, last week's episode. Number five, <laughs> number five, gas prices rise again. Rise again, Biden to shoulder all the blame, says Republicans. <laughs> Uh, number four, Netflix will announce plans to reboot your favorite childhood sitcom, but make it suck. Number three, oh, number three, Kim Kardashian announces plans to end world hunger. Details that if poor people in third world countries would work harder and quit being so damn lazy, they wouldn't be such failures. Number two, Republicans find reasons to irrationally hate Dr. Fauci. And the number one future headline Joe Biden, in one of his signature gaffes, calls Vladimir Putin a smooth criminal, as opposed to war criminal. Smooth. Criminal. All right, there's the, nice. the the top top ten list for Bad Wolf Gaming. Ray, you like to do 
a joke of the day, a Berea Pond joke of the day. The Berea Pond joke of the day for Aaron? Okay. All right, there's a quickie since we went a little long. What do you call 12 NBA players watching the NCAA tournament? I don't know. The Kentucky Wildcats. Oh, wow. Oh, no. Yeah, that, oh, the, that's, that hurts the local folks. Man, but very accurate. That's pretty good. And Terry, as a guest, would you, would you, like, to, would you like to end the show on a joke today? Absolutely. Okay. A, uh, a grasshopper, grasshopper walks into a bar. Bartender says, I, we have a drink named after you. <laughs> the grasshopper looks at him and is like, you have a drink named Steve? <laughs> <laughs> nice. I like it. Uh, so I like it. Jokes of we the day. that one in for There Maria you go. Pond. Jokes That's of the great. day for Berea Pond. We appreciate it. Guys, yes, indeed. Guys, check us out. Uh, rate, review, follow us on Facebook. Anything you can do, uh, any comments, positive or negative, we always appreciate your feedback. Terry, we I still I, I still like your hair, Trizen. Your hair is cool. It's not bad. It's just curly. It's not that high. I mean, it's receding a little bit, but not that much. Maybe, maybe it's the lighting. I mean, uh, I'll blame yeah, the lighting. Well, yeah. You Man, got to the quick, the my brother. That's funny. Yeah. I'm going to probably cry a little bit after the podcast on that one, but, but nonetheless guys. <laughs> so thanks for everything. Thanks to Troy. Thanks to Nate at stove leg media. Uh, Indeed. Couldn't do it without you guys. And uh, we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to extreme common sense with Tristan and Ray. We hope you had fun and look forward to taking on another topic next week.